Welcome to Conscious Thinking, the podcast from the Conscious Advertising Network. They say all good things come to an end, and so unfortunately the season two of Conscious Thinking. In this final episode, I'm joined by Harriet Kingaby, founder and co-chair of the Conscious Advertising Network, also head of ACT Climate Labs, to reflect on the key themes from this season, and we'll also discuss the results of Cannes member survey at the end of 2022, any key insights from the survey and how these insights will form part of Cannes' ongoing agenda. Hi, Harriet. Welcome. How are you? Hi, it's, it's lovely to be here. Good to have you join us for this episode. So firstly, I wanted to thank you and Jake for giving me the opportunity to host this season's uh, podcast. As an experience, it's been uh, everything, informative, educational, uh, inspiring, challenging. I've thoroughly enjoyed both the process of producing and creating uh, the podcast and researching into the subject matter but also the the guests and the conversations of every episode as we were recording them and thinking that was brilliant. How do we sort of beat it next week? And then everyone would come in and just provide so much information, but also like clear actions that, you know, it just kept sort of building momentum. So it's, it's been brilliant. And they say you never have a favorite child. I don't think I do across the, the season, but um, I'd like to know from sort of your perspective and thinking of the can agenda, what sort of, stood out in terms of either the episode or any of the content from from this season at all? Was anything in particular? And obviously you can have more than one, one example. Actually, I was trying to choose on the way over here and um, I really felt like I couldn't. And I think what I absolutely loved about listening to this um, to season two was just the variety of voices that you had on here. Mm. And it's always so arresting when you have an expert, you know, someone like kind of Callum from CCDH or Claire from um, Check My Ads, who comes in and tells it so straight, tells it mm. so much like it is. But what was so brilliant about that was that then you had everyone responding. And like you said, it felt so practical as well. So I was, yeah, I have to say it's a bit of a politician's answer <laughs> in that I couldn't quite choose. But the dynamic was just really, really special. I've learned loads. Um, I hope that everyone out there has learned a lot. And I think, you know, it's so important to keep having these conversations because we're exploring the boundaries of what this means. A lot of this is a really new thinking in terms yeah. of advertising and how we influence um, society in the world. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think we were quite fortunate in that the member network does have that depth of expertise within it because, you know, many of the speakers we were drawing from were members. And um, to your point, What's been brilliant is you have someone who's a subject matter or sort of the technical expert, and then we were able to bring people in who understood about policy, whether it was from the UN or from trade bodies, and getting that legal perspective or the regulatory perspective explained in simple terms that people can really understand. I'm struggling actually to find other content sources that are doing that. I think it's a really special moment when you can have, you know, peer from the UN hmm. sitting around the table with advertisers, sitting around the table with other groups who are who are experts in such diverse, um, you know, kind of specialisms. And what is really, really clear is there is this big global conversation going on across lots of different sectors about the issues that are covered off in our seven manifestos. There's lots of people doing lots of thinking. And as these, as this thinking starts to intersect, you get something really special because you get that um, sense that, okay, we're joining the dots, but we're also starting to join up what we think the solutions are. Yeah. Um, and what came out for me really strongly is when you've got the UN working on the moment we're working with them a lot on this idea of information integrity and what that means and how the advertising ecosystem supports that. 
Now, that's a very lofty concept, isn't it? But then when you've got CAM members coming on here and saying, actually, day to day in our in our agencies, day to day in our operations, we're doing this, we're changing this mm. and we're listening. You've got this really special um, system where you've got the problem. Um, you've got, you know, these big lofty kind of global organizations like talking about the problem and then you've got advertisers actually saying well this is how we're solving it and that that felt really special yeah absolutely and uh, again sort of a a central part of cam which we'll probably talk about later no doubt is is the collaboration piece and in many of the solutions as you've just described it became really clear or tackling the challenges is like you know (laughs) no one can do this alone it is a case of like cross-sector cross-industry, you know, private and public sector working together to sort of solve things. Ultimately, what we're driving at is is transformation. And that brings me to a point on the recent um, member survey where 85% of the respondents uh, said they had a better ethical framework in their agency ecosystem than last year, which is real testament to the effectiveness of, you know, CAN's mission and manifesto, but also the engagement of the membership and critically driving that systems change that is going to lead to sort of long-term uh, tran- transformation. You must be feeling pretty encouraged by that result. Were you expecting that? Was that a surprise? So we were so, so pleased. It's like a bit of an unveiling when we look at the the member survey and all of us are you know, on tenderhooks looking at, you know, kind of what actually our members are telling us. And that moment felt really, really special because when we, we did the first version of the manifestos, um, you know, five years ago now, they looked so different to how they do today. Like, you know, misinformation, disinformation was called fake news. I remember us having a discussion kind of going, we think this is an issue. We think this is something to be looking at, but we could never have predicted just, you know, what that situation would look like now what the manifesto itself would would kind of grow into and you know we've worked with so many just incredibly knowledgeable people in that process but always with an eye to make it practical because we know marketers shouldn't have to be experts on all of these issues like I'm not I'm definitely not and so there's no way that I can be expecting someone that works in a busy agency to um you know kind of really have their head around multiple human rights issues I mean, I'm not a human rights expert. My background's in climate and sustainability, so I can talk about that confidently. But there's still areas where I think, gosh, I, I don't know as much as I should. And so for members to say this is practical, this is helping us and this is driving change, which, you know, is what this effectively said is is, is so important. And I think, you know, going back to the podcast, mm. I think what you did so expertly is also guided the conversation into that solution space, whereas we could have stayed in theory. And I think, you know, that's where change is really going to happen. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And um, the point that you made around the the practicality of when you join as a CAN member and here's the programs and the frameworks to sort of help you drive that systemic change, I think is one of the reasons why it's so effective. And the fact that it's cognizant of the maturity stage of where the business is, because, you know, we're talking about some pretty significant challenges um, that are, are real macro problems. And it is quite easy, as you say, for businesses to feel overwhelmed. But the, you know, the CAN's approach actually doesn't do that. That makes it very easy to guide you towards change. And, you know, you just mentioned about the season and sort of the solutions and one of the things we sort of attempted to do with this season in sort of the editorial direction is take the the manifestos and hearing you talk about the genesis behind them when you were looking at the sort of challenges that are facing the world and facing the industry we sort of took each manifesto point and then thought okay what's happening topical that we can we can relate it to and either fortunately or unfortunately depending on how you look at it the last 18 months has presented a myriad of things from macroeconomic to social to political industrial economic crisis as well as sort of environmental that are 
affecting the everyday lives of consumers, affecting governments, you know, across the, you know, international and sort of global stage and causing challenge within the advertising industry ecosystem that I think the term that got used this summer is that we're in the era of omni-crisis, which sounds, sounds like some sort of terrifying Marvel superhero. But amongst that and central to the myriad of crises is obviously the environmental crisis, which is affecting all the others. I mean, it has socio-political and macroeconomic kind of impacts that are you know being experienced across the entire landscape. And our very first episode actually was obviously the climate and sustainability uh, manifesto. I think I might misquote him here, but Jake saying that it is the defining crisis of our generation. We have COP round the corner. What are you hoping for? We've seen some softening of ambition, um, you know, at a sort of government and regulatory level, but also there does seem to be a bit more focus on industry policy, which could be viewed as a positive thing. But, uh, you know, with, with COP round the corner, but in November, um, what are you sort of hoping for? It should be really exciting. We are going to go. We work a lot with um, groups of, of civil society groups as well as with our advertiser members on actually what would be, you know, what, what would be helpful. And I think what comes back time and time again is that um, we have a mis- and disinformation crisis that accompanies the climate crisis. And for example, I think it's something that that was discussed quite a lot within your brand activism mm. um, piece that you did with with, with Claire and, and the others. And, you know, when you talk about an omnicrisis, I couldn't agree more. It's it's things stacking together and these links between these issues that I think we, you know, five years ago, we just wouldn't have put together. So we're working with um, a group of civil society groups that are kind of focused on this mis- and disinformation space. So we're going to go to, ca- and we're also working with the UN on our information integrity work. And, you know, for those of you, I think that aren't too up on this, obviously, when we inadvertently um appear next to mis- and disinformative content, we create incentives for its production. And so as advertisers, we really do have a duty to be around the table and to be influencing these decisions. And I think what civil society groups do really, really well is they help us define the problem. So a, a group called the Climate Action Against Disinformation Coalition has created a definition of climate mis- and disinformation. It looks not just at things like climate change as a hoax, just anything that's against the scientific consensus, but it also looks at things like science cherry picking, you know, misrepresentation of science in that way, and then also false solutions. Yeah. So, you know, these are, these are things that aren't going to solve the climate crisis, but have put forward as solutions. Things like, you know, kind of our amazing algae program that, yeah. you know, never got off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, um, you know, we're, we're going to cop to try and raise the, um, the profile of this misinformation integrity work because we really believe that actually, um, it's very, very important that it's recognized across sectors because you know whilst we um, as advertisers might inadvertently appear next to it there is a much wider system at play and it takes something a global agreement something like Mm. a cop for example to really kind of get a handle on this stuff Um, so we will be there we will be representing advertisers um, and um, you know our civil society members and and working on this misinformation piece yeah brilliant and you you made such a critical point which is so tied to can's mission is the the incentivization behind this misinformation and there's a real economic link that actually needs to be disrupted it is much more than you know i guess people looking on the face of it going okay here is content that's in the wrong place there's actually a machine that's being fueled around this that only continues to to, to grow and if we actually we, we look at that sort of economic and that financial construct and and actually go this is not in service of brands because you know they, it's not actually helping them with their sort of brand objectives although it's you know maybe falsifying performance reports is not delivering on their end objective and it's harmful to human beings i think most most importantly and i think more 
brand, but also public awareness, I think, of that sort of economic infrastructure uh, and challenging with that, I, I think is critical. I completely agree. And that's been such a theme across mm. the podcast, hasn't it? Mm. That's the reason why we talk about um, our mission being to break the economic link between advertising and harmful content because there are vast systems of um, production of harmful content, really diverse reasons for making it. And it's all out there. And actually, you know, some people are making a lot of money off it, frankly. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um could be a whole season just talking about going, going into that. So much rich content here. But you, you talked about the sort of consistent themes um again all really around as, as we've just talked about this sort of this economic infrastructure and a theme that came up again and again um was the role and responsibility of technology providers particularly social media platforms and just given their sort of prevalence uh in uh, and our ubiquitousness in our sort of everyday lives and you know in, in brand marketing now and particularly with regards to brands uh, and human safety and more conscious advertising the perennial paradox of regulation to ensure the safer internet, um, as well as, well, I guess a perceived challenge to freedom of, of speech. I thought what was really fascinating is the conversation around the surveillance economy and getting to the point where actually it's about establishing a new contract with consumers. There isn't uh, a fear of people, um, having their data shared. It's like transparency, uh, is a big thing and, and, and value exchange, hate speech, misinformation as we taught and, and critically brand activism. You spoke before about how when you were developing the manifestos and you you know you were looking at these these issues and how they relate to the industry and looking at these themes that you know to your point are increasingly interconnected increasingly feel like they are accelerating particularly driven by the pace of technology information uh, innovation uh, and some of the things that are happening I guess within countries you know deviating regulations or you know sort of a lack of uh, potential collaboration are there any particular sort of trends and innovations that you you look at that have happened over the last year or coming on the horizon and you, you look at the manifesto and the mission you're like actually we need to to evolve i mean of course ai is, is the big one and again it's prevalence but yeah i'd just be curious if there's anything you've looked at and gone actually we need to not rethink but evolve or you know refine manifestos or consider oh gosh so much i mean mm. We update them every couple of years and every time we update them, there's so much to look at and take into account. And that's not just because technology is moving so fast. It's also that the rate of change on the platforms, for example, is 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 vast and entire new ecosystems of, 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 of issues pop up. I have to say it was a really special moment listening to everyone talking about the surveillance economy because mm. that was a you know that was a phrase that I'd only really heard in you know spoken about in privacy circles and then yeah. suddenly here we are on on this podcast talking about it and it's a really uncomfortable concept for yeah. so many of us and you know we weren't talking about the surveillance economy when when we set up CAM frankly so that's an example of a narrative that's moved from a different circle and into suddenly this you know this advertising world obviously AI is huge it's you know I did a Full disclosure, I did a kind of AI fellowship with Mozilla oh, really? three years ago. And I wrote a report, you know, with some talented people there. And, you know, I look at that now and I look at, you know, the rise of mm. um, chat GPT and T in mid journey and all of these kind of AI solutions that are, you know, that are suddenly readily available. And I just, the rate of change is just, is, is huge. I won't lie. I've given chat GPT, um, you know, a few, a few trial runs. It's, it's very, very effective tool mm. and it's going to really revolutionize our ability to produce content very, very quickly. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking, gosh, will I still have a job? You know, you've got organizations such as the Quills ri rising up in, uh, you know, in, in response to it saying, no, we still really need human beings. Mm. And yes, when we updated the consent manifesto, 
uh, we got input from AI experts at that point because we realized, gosh, we, we really, really need to think about data and how data is, um, we, how we as an industry are using data because there are, you know, there's huge concerns about the extraction of, of personal data. As you know, as you discussed yeah. in the surveillance economy, there's huge issues with, with, with bias in the programming of these, of these systems and all sorts of stuff. So it's been fed in, it's been fed in there, but that was, that was 18 months ago, two years ago. So mm. again, we're going to have to rethink. And I think, just how quickly thing it can make things change. And we need to be thinking about that as a straight line across all of our manifestos. Yeah. And we do think we should we have a separate one. And then we're like, actually, it's again to that point of interconnectedness. It's yeah. so interconnected with everything that we've already got out there. So I think that that for me is 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 huge. Um I do think we're gonna have to get um much clearer on this freedom of speech, freedom of expression issue. Full disclosure, we've we've had some PR joy over the last eight weeks. A lot of that has focused on this idea of you know, are we impinging on freedom of speech? So we feel very, very strongly, for example, that um, the CAN manifestos actually, um, you know, kind of should mean greater freedom of speech for more people. Yeah. Um, we're asking people to diversify where they spend, uh, you know, where they where they place their media. We're asking people to think differently about their casting around, you know, the messages that are put across in advertising and. Actually, you know, the result of that, the net result of that should mean greater freedom of speech for all. I think also this, this topic has been really weaponized by people who call, you know, say, Oh, I'm a free spe- speech yeah. absolutist. Mm. We've got 31 human rights and all of them have been very, the UN are, you know, groups of incredibly clever people at the UN have done a lot of thinking with ex subject experts about how we start to balance, you know, how we effectively balance things like freedom of expression with our other human rights. And I think, frankly, when you start to say, well, this, this above everything else, mm-hmm. we get into a very dangerous space because freedom, freedom of expression does not mean freedom from consequences. Yeah. And I think super importantly, these are commercial decisions. We have absolutely the right to say whatever we want and believe whatever we want, even though I might strongly disagree with it within the laws of the land. That is our fundamental right. But there is no right to be paid for speech. Oh. And this idea that um, advertising revenue is is a right mm. is is very bizarre. Um, you know, advertising revenue is a privilege that is awarded to creators of quality content yep. because brands want to be associated with it. Frankly, for me, it is absolutely vital that our right to freedom of expression is is protected. But I feel like this uh, conversation around advertising's role in that is a misrepresentation of of what that really means. Yeah, absolutely. And I I honestly couldn't have put it better than you did, which is that, you know, advertising, like advertising revenue is a a result of quality content, you know, which is relevant to the consumers. It's, it's not harmful and, you know, it's actually of, of, of value. And it must be very, very challenging actually to sort of be, trying to ensure that the right environment is created for responsible and conscious advertising and and the role we're fundamentally playing in public discourse and in you know driving cultural behaviors at the same time when you know the social dynamic is moving quite a bit you know like there's lots of conversations that are evolving around communities beliefs values um, and so trying to keep up with that as well as you know the technology technological in- innovation is a is a challenging job that you know I don't I don't envy you but very grateful that um you're doing it I remember one of the um guests that we had when we were talking about the children's uh, well-being manifesto and the sort of really quite terrifying harmful effects that some of the content that you know um children are being 
exposed to their brands aren't aware is appearing on the same places where children of vulnerable people are consuming their content. And the argument that's sort of put back from certain circles, it's, you know, it's a, it's sort of a challenge around freedom of expression, but then there is also a responsibility of safety. And I can't remember the exact name of uh, the guest, but they also provided the quote that quite often when that counter argument around freedom of speech or freedom of expression is, is given, it's generally given with the, with the point of view is, my freedom of speech, but that only really works if there's equal representation. Do you know what I mean? And things that are harmful are considered and there's safety in that conversation, which we wouldn't specifically point them out, but there are certain platforms out there which seem to be ignoring that under the banner of freedom of speech and creating, you know, uh, spaces where there's actually not discourse, mm. genuine discourse, and it's not safe for people to talk on the platform unless you agree with maybe some quite damaging opinions. So I guess coming on to sort of the more human aspects of things and moving away from conversations about technology, you know, we talked before about a core element of what drives CAN's uh, mission and that the operating of the the network is the collaboration uh, between different expertise, different bodies and sort of different sectors. Spoke a bit about COP and sort of the plans, plans for that. And the membership survey showed a strong desire for members to start getting back together uh, in person or more events in, in person, I guess, to, to add. Uh, to that collaboration there is a conscious thinking event coming up in november without any spoilers um, can you give us an indication of what's likely to come up in november and um you know just something for the for the audience to expect and anyone that's not a member actually to sort of look forward to joining and coming to the event so on the 16th of november please put it in your diaries um we will be holding yes con- the con- second conscious thinking event and last year, we were just blown away by the warmth and the engagement that we that we felt at that event. We covered so so much around, um, you know, kind of what actually what constituted kind of conscious advertising, and we really tried to explore that um, throughout the event. This year, um, we're looking at actually positioning around our manifestos and some of the more challenging topics. Actually, we think that um, our members are going are going to face. I can't re- reveal too much because um, I know our membership person will kill me. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be really, really kind of delving into some of the the challenges that that we're facing as an industry. We're going to be taking a manifesto view in a similar way that we've done to this podcast, and we're going to be also, I think, looking at some of the commercial benefits of conscious advertising because we talk a lot. I think about the the moral benefits and about the the brand brand safety benefits and you know I think about the broader benefits but you know let's not forget that also um, a lot of these changes a lot of these ad- adaptations also also you know are good from a commercial perspective mm. so we're going to be exploring that those wider issues looking at commercial perspective and there will be space to play so we're also thinking about um, how we bri- how we allow members uh, to explore some of the issues um, that they've learned in a similar way that we did last year where we invited people to participate in a, in, in a kind of workshop session. We'll be doing something similar because we feel like actually so much so many of these issues as we've you know as, as, mm-hmm. as we've explored are new. They're a combination of a lot of cross-cutting themes and getting our heads around them from a personal and a, a kind of emotional perspective as well as from a rational one is, mm-hmm. is super important. So we're going to be building that space in there. Um, so 16th of November, please do put it in your diaries. And mm-hmm. um, so we've got that coming up. And I think also um, we are rethinking our 
membership and engagement. We've got the brilliant Nafisa Norris who's joining us. Um, she is, um, she's been talking to many of our members, trying to get a sense of actually what they'd like to hear from us. Um, definitely more face to face time came back in, um, you know, in a really strong way. So we're going to be thinking about kind of things like members forums, um, and other, um, essentially activities where actually you get to listen around more of these issues and actually connect with the team in in in, in much more profound ways um we're also we've got some really interesting thought leadership um kind of coming up around some of these crunchier issues and there will be opportunities for members i think to learn more but also to input um, yeah. because what we really really want is to be building a community of people who are informing some of these issues yeah. much as we've done in the podcast and kind of like creating that creating those areas for discussion. So mm. that's going to be the focus of some of our activity going forward. Um, it's a little bit of a watch this space. Um, our next survey is going to be released in January, and that's yeah. going to not only a chance for members to check in around compliance and the great things that they've been doing, but also we're going to be asking you in that for some some feedback and uh, you know highlighting some of the opportunities that are going to be coming up over the next year. Excellent. Lot, lots to look forward to, both at the event and wider across uh, can's uh, program of activity and also i guess a a great way to bring the episode and and the season sadly to an end thank you for joining me on this um final episode and and thanks again as i mentioned before to yourself and jake for inviting me to be a host it's been a incredible experience thanks to everyone uh for listening across the entirety of the season i hope you've found it as informative as i have um, and if you're not a member, I would really encourage you to please join the CAN network. Details at ConsciousDadNetwork.com. Keep following the Conscious Thinking channel wherever you get your podcast for season three, which will have a new host. That's all from me. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for um, this brilliant series. It's been it's been fabulous. And we're going to have a really hard, um, really hard task trying to find someone for the next one. <laughs> well, thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, that's all. Thanks. Bye. Bye.